o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. All right, coming up in a little bit, uh, Mark Johnson will join us, voice of the Buffaloes. Colorado has Arizona State tonight. But last night was our Colorado Mesa National Signing Day a broadcast from the Blue Moon downtown. And uh, we had Miles Cochaver earlier, our conversation with uh, Coach K. We also talked with uh, Maverick defensive coordinator Trent Matthews and newly assigned Amari Wilson from Fruita Monument High School. Pleasure right now to be joined by Mavericks defensive coordinator Trent Matthews. Trent, it's been a while. How you doing? I'm doing great. Feeling blessed and highly favored. And I'm thank you guys for allowing me to come speak with you. Well, we appreciate you coming and giving us some insight into the guys that uh, you'll be taking through their paces here. Uh, uh, coming up in, in, you know, when football season starts for uh, these guys in, in in the fall of 2024, let's start out with uh, some of the guys on the defensive line. Uh, Keyshawn Caesar from uh, Denver, Thomas Jefferson High School, 6-2-2-20, and Cooper Conley, a linebacker from Elizabeth High School over the front range as well. He was an all-state selection. Uh, those two guys, a uh, defensive lineman, linebacker, you hope to see uh, develop over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think Keyshawn can help us right now. Um, Early in the recruiting process, he had uh, CSU. He had pretty much Mountain West uh, people talking to him, so uh, we knew that he was going to be a big kid. Um, he can grow. Um, and Cooper, just a, a smart kid on and off the field, um, a kid that we need in our room. Length is a must. That was one of our biggest things that we wanted to improve on was length. He has that. Uh, he has the frame to put on another 20, 30 pounds, so I'm excited to see uh, some of those guys, especially the linebacker room, and see how they grow. Got a lot of linebackers on this list. We'll get to some of them here in a minute. Sure. John Dowell from Saratoga Springs, Utah, and also right up the road in Rifle, Troy Mataya. You mentioned length. Dowell, 6'6", 220, and then some size. <laughs> right. Six foot, but 270 for Mataya. Talk about what they bring kind of at the edge of your defensive line. Good. I the good thing about our defensive line um, that we have, and, and Coach Gilmore does a good good job there, um, is uh, what what we do and how we package our players. Um, we see growth. Um, we we want the the element that we like to do on D line is having guys that can move well and bend well, especially. Um, and the one thing that that doesn't that you don't see on that sheet that all those guys have is durability. Um, to be durable, um, in and out, and play um, in playoff games, they're winners. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the elements that that that's, that that in character. That's those are the elements that I love to see and love to take. That that's that's important to us defensively. We're talking with Colorado Mesa Mavericks defensive coordinator Trent Matthews. It's the Colorado Mesa National Football Signing Day show from the Blue Moon tonight. Jim Davis along with Rio Van Gilder and Levi. Janie, linebacker from Riverdale Ridge High School over at Thornton, uh, three-time all-conference player. Uh, Sammy Johns, the defensive back from Mesa, Arizona. And then Kendrick Jones, the defensive back from Crandall, Texas. Take us over those three guys. A uh, couple of DBs and linebacker. You hope to, to beef up your side of the football. I do. I love I love Levi. He is a hammer. He is a, a, a thick guy that can help us right away, in my opinion. Um, I think he has a, a, a element of, of leadership that he's going to have. Um, as far as K Kendrick, that speed, well, that was a, a, a big, big thing for us. Um, and a 40, he's a track kid. He runs a 4.39. 
So he's a fast kid. Um, and then the other guy, who else did you say? So, Levi Johns as well from Mesa, Arizona. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Levi. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yes. We tried to get a, a little bit of more kids in Arizona just because they we typically have success in Arizona because it's similar coming out here to Grand Junction. So they love it here. So giving those guys an opportunity to play hard, that's been, a, that's been really huge for us. A couple more of your linebackers. We talked with Coach K about them earlier in the show. Ian Hafey from Moffitt County, Judd Harvey from uh, Meeker High School. Yep. When you take a look at those guys, what on the film do you use? Because maybe they don't necessarily play a talent level that they're going to see in the RMAC or, you know, at the D2 level when they play Western Slope football. But what do you see from them right. that makes them attractive targets for you? Right. I think I think small ball is, is under-recruited. And if you can get guys with links like some of those guys have and, and put some put some weight on them, I think it's always been good. And looking at our kid from last year, we had uh, we had some kids from Rifle actually being being helpful for us. So um, that being good, that's helped us. Um, but as long as we get those kids and develop them, they'll be fine. Trent, let's also talk about Will Knox, linebacker from Arapahoe High School. He's their defensive player of the year, all-state selection. Uh, just to, what are some of the pluses about a Will Knox? What Will Knox brings is the element of speed in the inside backer room. I don't know where we're going to put him at right now, inside or outside, but I know what he brings right now is the element of speed, kind of like how LaMarcus Reed was, speed bump that we had this past year. He, he gave us the opportunity to, to have a different element and, and being able to um, – you know, scrape under certain uh, linebackers, or excuse me, old linemen that that has an element of speed. And he's also intelligent, good football IQ. So I, I'm looking forward to having Will Knox. I've been recruiting him for a, a pretty long time. So another DB we want to talk about. Uh, talk about Demarius Taylor from uh, Regis High School, Regis Jesuit, right? Uh, all conference selection. Yeah. Five uh, eleven, one seventy. Just yep. uh, kind of what are some of the things you saw in film from him that you? That you really liked and said this guy needs to be part of our secondary. The crazy insight about about uh, Taylor was he's a basketball guy and he moves his feet pretty well. He's a good player. I think they playing Thunder Ridge this week, so I'm looking forward to seeing him go probably far. Um, but smart kid, he 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 applied to school. He actually came out and saw me. So him having him having an opportunity to to come here and 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 help. Our DB room is awesome. He's just a savvy player, in my opinion. Um, I think he'll help this room. He'll challenge the room. Um, but it's up to him to start. I'll tell all the DBs it's up to them to start. It's up to them. So um, We talked with – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm finished. We talked with uh, Trevor Wickery about the athletes and whether you guys have to fight in a draft-type situation. We do, man. He says, Coach K, though, being a defensive guy, you might get first dibs. <laughs> is that the accurate truth or – is that just him, you know, sour grapes on the offensive side? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think I, I do got the upper hand. But, you know, I gave Coach Wick a couple of my guys. So <laughs> he, he should be happy. He so, got he got some Christmas. So he, he needs Christmas. to send some back your yeah, way. Yeah, he, he, be fair. He, yeah, he he had a couple. We, we sent some over his way. So hopefully, hopefully he'll send some my way. And, and, yes, I do have the upper hand just because Coach K is a defensive guy. So, All right, the guy's joining us right now. You guys might be uh, battling over him in oh, your yeah. uh, athlete fantasy draft moving forward. And it's, oh, uh, of course. Amari Wilson, uh, Bruno Monument High School, Wildcat, uh, 
quarterback for the Wildcats, senior season, 33 total touchdowns. Amari, great to have you with us, and, and congratulations on being a Maverick. Thank you. Thank you. What made you decide that, you know, Colorado Mesa was the place you wanted to be and needed to be to continue your football career? Uh, well, I really like the coaching staff on that visit I went to, and it's just close to home, which is convenient. I get to stay near my family a little bit and just continue playing football in front of the people I've grown up with. Well, I did have a little inside informational intel. Jeffrey Miller, former Fruit of football coach, yeah. who did some games with us, said, we're, we went over to do the Broomfield game. And we're going back, and he goes, I think Kamari's going to, I think he's going to go to Mesa. I'm like, that'd be sensational. So apparently Coach Miller had a little bit of insight into to what you're going to do moving forward. Yeah, I, I think I made it really clear to everyone at practice. I was always just talking about, I mean, I was still focused on high school at the time, but I was really excited hoping I get a chance at the next level and that my plan was to go to CMU. Amari Wilson joining us, uh, now a member of the Colorado Mesa Mavericks football team. He had a sensational senior season as a quarterback, played in, in the All-State game, academic All-State, all these things. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself playing? I know you want to contribute, you want to help, but which side of the ball? I know it's tough because you got Coach Matthews sitting right here. <laughs> which side of the ball would you like to see yourself on when you really begin your career? Well, uh, I love scoring touchdowns, so... <laughs> I really would like to stay on the offensive side and help the team. And what about some pick sixes, though, some fumble recoveries, strip yeah, sacks? Yeah, but, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right, but. Okay. <laughs> we, we, I'm trying we, to help you out we, here, we, Trent. We, we'll, we'll let them do both. I'm trying to help you out. Yeah, for sure. Hey, we'll, your boy, you can do both. Sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll let him do both. That's, that's, see, we'll see what he can do and, <laughs> and let find his path wherever it may fit. Might be both. I mean, we, that's okay with me as long as we win. What did you like about him when you watched him on film or where you went to a fruit again? Oh, yeah, tough. Y'all ran a triple option at some point, and I thought that was a, a key for me. Um, Coach said nothing but good things about his high character, family guy, good locker room teammate. Yeah, I, 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 once I seen him, I really, when, when we were recruiting him, it was none of the questions that how does, he, how does he throw the deep. It was none of those questions. We seen all we needed to see on film. Whether it was offense or defense, it was more so uh, character questions. And he did answer that well when he came on a visit. He knew what he wanted, which shows a lot of leadership and how many, how much family values he put into with, with his family. And I'm excited to have him, honestly. Amari Wilson and defensive coordinator Trent Matthews joining us on the Jim Davis Show. Amari, you have all the football prep. You're the quarterback. There's a lot that goes into that. You also have all the academic stuff that you're nailing as well with all the honors. How do you compartmentalize? Did that start early? Was that something you had to work at to separate football? Okay, now I got homework, and, you know, I also have hobbies, so I got to figure out how to spend time with family and friends. How do you compartmentalize? Um, well, I was just always taught to never overindulge in something and keep a good balance, and it will help you be successful in this world. So I took that, and really just ran with it and i think for you amari but because of corbin Rowell, guys were in front of you at the quarterback yeah. spot you had to really bide your time because mm -hmm. you played behind really good players and you played other positions you played on the defensive side they, they found played running back you found other spots i think it shows number one you're willing to grind and work hard and you're willing to have patience mm -hmm. to get what you ultimately want and i think those are those are incredible traits to have particularly now that you're starting uh, out as a as a college football player yeah yeah, just so where does that come from for you? 
Um, where does it come from? Um, just being, I mean, patience. Everyone that's ever been successful has to be patient mm. in something. Family's been a role model in that. Somebody's maybe oh, kind of patterned that in your family. Yeah, my grandpa was my coach growing up, and he just taught me be patient, and when you set your mind on something, go get it. All right, that's Bruno Monument Wildcat uh, Amari Wilson, who uh, signed yesterday with Colorado Mesa, also Mavericks defensive coordinator Trip Matthews from last night's signing day show. And uh, we also spoke with uh, Mavericks offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Trevor Wickery. We have uh, Trevor, Trevor Wickery, Colorado Mesa offensive coordinator, line coach with us right now. And, and Wick, always great to, to, to get together with you guys on a day like today where the culmination of a lot of work, a lot of emails, Zoom calls, as I mentioned earlier with Miles, trips and rental cars across uh, across Colorado and across this country as well to recruit these young men to come to Colorado Mason to play football on the offensive side. And there's so many guys here to, to, to talk about. And he said there's now 47 players. A couple of players that maybe you played a role in, in helping recruit. You had some, some um, I guess, some perspective on that, some, some input on that. There's some of these guys that you feel like, man, I saw that guy on tape. I watched him. That's a player we need to have at Colorado Mesa. Sure. We actually have a number of those, and they stretch out. You know, this year we went after a lot of athletes. And just getting able to meet them and know that, hey, this is a guy we need on the team. You know, um, I'm not going to be able to name them all, but the kid for Brighton, Owen Taylor, he, he's one that can play both ways. David Ives is another good one. It, big guys, I'm talking big guys right there off the bats, you know, and uh, even Austin down there from Texas. So being able to get guys like that that are athletic to be able to play both sides of the line. And then we got a number of athletes that are playing that we got listed as wide receiver and DB that could go both sides and just tough kids that want to get it done, you know. Yeah, Austin Gartner, uh, 61270 from Waxahachie, Texas. Uh, second team all-district selection uh, offensive lineman that you really hope can develop uh, on that offensive front for the Mavericks. But I know uh, we want to talk about quarterbacks a little bit. And you now Tyler Harms from Durango is one of those quarterbacks, Bronco Hartinson from Roosevelt. But uh, Noah Ferris, 5'10", 165. He's from San Antonio, Texas, Harlan High School, where he had over 7,000 yards passing, 76 touchdowns. Those are like Madden on rookie mode kind of numbers. Tell us more about Noah Ferris. So Noah is interesting because he's a wonderful athlete just as much as he is a quarterback. And that young man can do a lot of different things other than QB, too. And, you know, he's just a great athlete being able to excel in the position. And he's a lot of fun. I think we're going to be able to do a lot of things with him in the, down the road. We also talked about Easton Fuentes, the running back from Bushland, Texas. Guy's got some size, 6'1", 220, and, and uh, brings a little physicality to the running back position. But uh, also want you to talk about Jackson Hansen a little bit uh, from Ralston Valley High School, 5'10", 150. Uh, what, I guess what caught your, your attention, you as the, the coaching staff, in recruiting a guy like Jackson Hansen out of uh, Ralston Valley High School? Yeah, you know, one, we got a lot of people telling us that he's a kid that we need to be recruiting in-state. Size-wise, doesn't match his heart and his athleticism. And that, so we went after him. And being able to talk to him on the phone, that's where I really fell in love with him, too, just as a player because he's, he bleeds wherever he is. He wants to be a part of the team, and he's a team guy, and, and he is a good athlete, you know. So he's a lot of fun. Talking Trevor Wickery, Carolina Mesa Mavericks offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. And uh, Dagan Rinks, 
big shoes to fill you know with, with his departure here um looking for size at the tight end spot and a guy like uh, logan ryan 64 230 from san mateo california but he's from eagle crest high school so uh, born in california grew up here in the centennial state guy that gives you a lot of size at the tight end position yeah really i'll tell you the all the tight ends that all three of them between sparks colton and and um logan it's a great room and they give size physicality all of it and so being able to get those three in state are huge and knowing that they could do multiple things they don't have to be an inline tight end either they can we can spread those types of players out and get one-on-one matchups outside as well talking with trevor rick with the uh, cmu mavericks you got have a few wide receivers on your list like jack burke 6-2 luke flowers 5-10 it doesn't seem like there was really a formula to finding maybe big physical wide receivers or short quick fast wide receivers you just seem to get a lot of guys that coach coach ever was talking about that are kind of grinders competitors and like you're talking about just straight up athletes mm-hmm. how many of these guys do you just kind of come across where the athleticism jumps off the film you don't really have to dig too, dig too deep to find it like that man this guy's special you know and what's crazy is right now there's a lot of those athletes out there but finding the one with the, the ones with the heart and the toughness to go be a team guy and, and go in and do that. And that's what we felt like we found with all of our wideouts this year. And so that part's huge because, it, as we all know, if you get guys going to block the safety and then you run a play action off of that and the safety's down the box, that's a should be a wide open touchdown, you know. So having guys that are willing to be able to do that, run the jet sweep, do all those things combined, makes it very nice offensively to be able to be very multiple and put defenses in a bind one of your offensive line recruits jack monroe 511 260 from uh, rock canyon high school castle pines uh, all conference selection tell us uh, about him a little bit and what kind of uh caught your interest of, of, of jack monroe on tape when you watched him play at rock canyon you know jack's a physical cat and he gets it done and he's going to keep going and he's a weight room warrior too um coach his coach had nothing but good things to say about him and the best part about big jack is you know he reached out to me a ton and and i knew he wanted to be a mav so getting him part of the family it felt right to make sure he was with his class so you also uh have brooks wild from highland utah lone peak high school 59 185 pound running back uh two-time all-region selection, but also a three-time academic all-region selection. So always important to have the brains along with the brawn, a smart guy in the classroom and a really good guy in the football field, it sounds like, in Brooks Wild. Yeah, you know, connections from the last class, too, were huge with a handful of these players. And with Cooper Mumford up here, that that, that piece kind of comes together, you know, with getting him up here. So it's a lot of fun to be able to get guys like that that are – have relationships already on the team and then you know that team gpa is huge for us obviously that's something coach k's been preaching and we're very big on and i think within the class i think it was a uh, an average of a three three or something like that as far as the overall class just their high school gpa so it's good to be able to bring in guys that can get it done in the classroom but also done on the field too jim davis along with rio van gilder we're here at the blue moon talking with the cmu mavericks about their uh, letter of intent signing class for the football team. You have four or five guys on this list so far that are listed just purely as athlete. 
We're talking to Coach K. They could play offense. They could play defense. Do you guys have like a fantasy draft between all the coaches? You put all the athletes up on the board and you go first, Trent goes second, then you, then Trent. Is that how it's going to be done or are you just going to wait till they all get on campus? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that defense gets first choice because Coach K's a defensive guy. That's kind of so the impression we got talking about. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know, so offensively we're sitting there like, no, 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 these guys are ours. And, you know, no, it's a lot of fun inside the staff room because we go both ways and and where we think the guys need to go but in all reality what's fun about this staff is we watch the players during fall camp and we see where we're deficient or where we may need people now or someone that could jump in and push the first two deep and we'll move them right away and get them going and i think that that piece is it you know when we, we preach it coaches preach it all the time you got to be about the team and not about me or offense or defense or special teams and Coach K's put together that type of staff where that's what it truly is. And we want to make sure we get players out there as soon as we can, but we're also putting the best product on the field that we can. All right, that's Trevor Wickery, Colorado Mesa offensive coordinator, line coach from last night's signing event uh, downtown. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Mark Johnson, voice the Buffaloes. He'll have the call on Arizona State and the Buffaloes tonight. Uh, that's up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. And with us right now on the team line, he's the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for coming on. Jim, I'm sorry I missed you earlier today. I was... Uh detained let's put it that way well you had uh you had more important more pressing uh, obligations and i and i appreciate that um thank you for though for making some time for us later on or later in the the show so uh, we always enjoy talking with you about the buffaloes and for colorado uh it's arizona state tonight uh buffs have always had uh, good luck at home against arizona state where i believe what the, the 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 record is perfect for the buffaloes at home against arizona state is it not it is it has been very good yeah and uh you know, it's kind of funny how things work like that, isn't it? I mean, you look at Colorado's record at Cal. Shouldn't be the way it is, but the Buffs only won one time there. Oregon's record at, at Colorado, a quality program. They've only won one time. Arizona's had some very nice years, and they haven't won it, uh, at uh, the CU Event Center. So it's funny how that works out. Let, let's hope the streak continues tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it. As Colorado takes on Arizona State, and for the Buffaloes, uh, coming out that loss to Utah, the Buffs... Uh, so far this season, record uh, right now 15 and 7, 6 and 5 in the Pac 12. Sun Devils come in 11 and 11, 5 and 6 in conference play. And KJ Simpson had the, the 25 points against uh, Utah in that loss on Saturday. And one of the things that seems to be, unfortunately, Mark, kind of a, a narrative about uh, Tad Boyle's buffs this season, just the, the lack of defensive consistency. Kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, that has been a, a consistent problem of inconsistency. Of, if uh, that makes sense. And that's disappointing because this has been a program, you know, in Ted's, oh, what, 14 seasons uh, that has been built on defense and rebounding. Colorado's a very good rebounding team, but boy, their defense has been terribly inconsistent. What did he say on the show the other night? He said, we've got an interest in defense. We're just not committed to the idea. And uh, I think that's a, probably a pretty good way of putting it. This team's got to figure that out. And, and it's been extremely uh, noticeable when the bus are on the road. At, at home, they generally... You know, the offense a little bit better, and uh, then they respond to that. And that, that's that's true for some young teams, that when the ball's going in the hoop, everything looks a little bit better. 
And this team is too veteran. It's got too many veteran guys on it to allow that to happen. So they got to figure that out. They're still in a very nice situation, Jim. I mean, you mentioned their record, and they're sitting kind of in the middle of Pac-12 right now, but their net number right now, I don't know, I haven't checked this morning, it's like 30 or 31. So it's a very impressive net number. They're number two in the Pac-12 behind Arizona, whom they're going to get a chance to face on, on Saturday night. And so they're still in a very good position, but they, they've got to continue to win at home and I've been saying I think they need to run the table at home and maybe split the four games on the road. I think they'll be in a very nice position for the NCAA tournament. Voice of Buffalo's Mark Johnson joining us today on the Team Sports Network uh, for the Sun Devils. Frankie Collins has been their, their biggest three-point threat. And then Jose Perez has been averaging about 14 points per game over the last 10 for Arizona State. So those are a couple of the key players tonight uh, when the Buffs take on Arizona State. Yeah, you know, they, and, and you know, Arizona State's an interesting team to me because we saw them down at their place. And they were pretty impressive. Remember, they started 4-0 in Pac-12 conference play. They've gotten one in six cents. And, you know, the word out on, on Arizona State is that they're a little chaotic internally. That, that there's not a lot of, uh, shall we say, quality leadership uh, on that team. And it shows itself. And there, there's a prime example of when the ball's going in, they look pretty impressive. And it was early in conference play. Now, the ball has not been going in recently. And hence, they're one in six in their last seven games. And so... Um, they've got some quality pieces. Make no mistake. That's the thing about college basketball, Jim. You, you see teams, they've got quality pieces. Virtually everybody's got individual pieces that can be awful impressive. And so when that ball's going in, any team can look good. I mean, look around college basketball, what we're seeing with some of the upsets going on and the unbelievable record of top 10 teams losing on the road against unranked opponents. That's because of what we're seeing in college hoops with the extension of careers because of COVID and the transfer portal and how it's affecting things. So everyone's got players. But the key is finding consistency. And like we just talked about with the Buffs, and, and Arizona State certainly hasn't found that. But, but they are dangerous. You know, on any given night, get ready, because they, they, can, they can explode and be an awful impressive-looking team. So for Colorado, in, in regard to the, the Sun Devils, it's a, it's a team that uh, defensively can make some plays. They average uh, uh, almost nine steals per game. So one of the keys for Colorado tonight, Mark, take care of the basketball. That'll be a, a mandate from yep. Tad Boyle. Well, uh, when you talk about a team that doesn't have great discipline, uh, what they do defensively, they're going to be jumping the gaps and, and playing the passing lanes, and they gamble a lot. And so when you're sloppy with the basketball, you're not making crisp passes, you're not using ball fakes, uh, you can get yourself in a lot of problems, with which the Bucks did uh, here a few weeks back when they were down in, in Tempe. And so take care of the basketball. Now, you certainly expect Colorado playing at home. Knowing where they're at right now, they're going to have great intensity. There should be consistency on the defensive end for Colorado. And then on the offensive end, like I said, you take care of the basketball, do what you're supposed to do, crisp ball movement, use backdoor cuts, use ball fakes, that kind of thing, and, and they should be fine. Now, that's all great in theory as you and I sit and talk about it. We'll see what the execution is tonight. Another thing, too, with this Arizona State team, that they don't really have a, a center listed on their roster. You would think Colorado could really make some hay in the paint in, in regard to that, but when they faced them the last time, Buffs only had like a five-rebound advantage over Arizona State, so playing the paint, getting on the glass is going to be a big part of success for Colorado tonight as well. Yeah, it always is. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of becoming a kind of a funny, almost a joke in college basketball. Nobody wants to be listed as a center anymore, right? Everyone wants to be listed. It, it's funny, you look at a roster, their top nine guys, eight of them are listed as guards. I think, well, that's not true. Some of them are six foot nine and 230 pounds, for goodness sake. But everyone wants to be listed as a guard. You know, the, the Eddie Lampkins of the world are a little bit uh, kind of a dying breed at this point in time because he's 6'11, 265, and makes no bones about it. He plays center. But a lot of teams don't do that. They've got some very good size, and they are a pretty good rebounding team. Now, the Buffs 
in uh, their, uh, let's see, on their record so far, I think they've only been on rebounded three times this season. So Colorado's a very good rebounding team, and ASU's athletic enough to make that a problem tonight. So, yeah, that, you know, it, this is a pretty simple game. I mean, you can pretty much boil every game down to playing defense, rebounding, and taking care of the basketball. And, and, and all those, those three of those are truisms all the time. They're going to be a truism tonight. Mark Johnson voiced the Buffaloes with us. Colorado, Arizona State at 6 o'clock tonight. And then uh, we'll jump over to football to kind of wrap things up, Mark, with sure. uh, with the with Buff Zone confirming that Deion Sanders has hired Cincinnati Bengals secondary coach Robert Livingston to be the Buffs uh-huh. defensive coordinator. At first, we thought it was the actor, what, Ron Livingston from Office Space? No, it's Rob Livingston. We have to get that, that, that clarified. Rob Livingston, uh, coordinator reports, going to be the next Buffs uh, defensive coordinator replacing Charles Kelly. I thought it was Robert Livingston to sign of the Declaration of Independence. It's not him? Uh, no, that's it? not him either. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here, here's the thing I can tell you. Um, being an employee of the University of Colorado, until everything has been signed off on by regions of administration, I'm not allowed to talk about anything yeah. specifically. But you've seen the reports, just like I've seen reports. And I did uh, one heck of a fun interview with a guy that's the new defensive coordinator at the University of Colorado last night. That'll be coming out here shortly, but okay. it becomes official. So, so let me just vaguely respond in that regard. And I do know that uh, hearing from guys like Chita Bayawuziang and Josh Tupo that the guy you're mentioning would be a wonderful hire. Would he ultimately be confirmed right. as the hire? So sure. there's a lot about those reports that would be very positive. Would it to happen, Jim? And we'll wait and see. Exactly. We'll just uh, <laughs> we will just wait and see how that we'll give it some time. Let it, let it breathe a little bit. See if this, uh-huh. this this rumor, you know, does these stories have any legs to it? And we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. Not confirm nor deny at this point in time. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny whether I talked to the signer of the Declaration of Independence last night or not. I cannot tell you. <laughs> hey, Mark, have a great call tonight. I always appreciate you coming on, and, and thanks for working us in this morning. All right, Jim. Take care. All right, take care. All right, Mark Johnson, who cannot confirm or deny right. that uh, Robert Livingston is the next defensive coordinator at Colorado. I always forget that part, that he works for the university yeah, now. Occasionally that slips through yeah. my mind as so well. It's like, oh, that's right. He can't. Yeah, that's right. He can't really comment, but I love the way There's Mark. There's a lot of paperwork involved with but his I, stuff. But I love the way Mark usually tells us we're right about something. Yeah, or wrong. Or wrong. And Just got to read the tea leaves a little bit. Exactly. So, uh I uh, love the way he definitely handled that. Yeah. See, Nicely now, done. They could be part. like, well, I didn't confirm, deny, I didn't say anything. Whatever inference they made. Right. It's totally on them. That's perfect. Exactly. So it's perfect because Mark did, he did not say. He didn't give us a name. He just said, interview the guy, interviewed yeah. a guy last night. Right. To be the next defensive if, coordinator. If we're, didn't say who that guy was. You know, educated guess pointed in the right direction, maybe, but no names. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah. I mean, the last thing we want to get is uh, Mark in hot water. Right. It's the last thing we want to see happen. So, All but, right. uh, Chidobe Awuzie last played for the Bengals last three so, years in the secondary. Yeah. So, might give you a little sense of yeah. one plus two equals yeah. Rob Livingston. And not Ron. Not Ron. Not Ron Livingston. Not Robert. Who was also uh, the star of Loudermilk. You ever see Loudermilk? No. I think it's on Netflix right now. He plays like a Rolling Stone reporter that becomes a drug addict, and then he gets himself clean. He's like running a kind of like a a, a treatment group Mm -hmm. for addicts. 
And it's actually pretty funny. Interesting. And he's very good at it. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, do you have the Herb Street story for Four Down Territory? Because I don't want to steal no, something. No, I don't. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to grab that one. Okay. If I can get my computer to, to cooperate to on work. this. So let's dive into Four Down Territory this morning. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right. First down. That uh, maybe possibly a line has been crossed by ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet. Uh-oh. That there are reports that Herbstreet encouraged Dylan Riola to flip his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska. And over the years, you know, Herb Street's accused conferences of not showing enough uh, finality to ESPN, accused players of faking injuries and other things. Twitter war with an Ohio State recruit. Shame student athletes are not playing in bowl games. And a lot of other things. And also feeling that Florida State didn't deserve to be in the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. though they went undefeated. So Herb Street has shown kind of a preference for some programs. Now, Riola originally was committed to your Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes. And then he committed to Georgia. I believe that's four teams ago for Dylan Riola. And then Riola now is committed to Matt Rule at Nebraska. And there were rumors that Riola's father and Herb Street had been communicating and Herb Street said he should go to Nebraska. Not that there's anything legally could happen here. What about just from an ethical standpoint of a of a broadcaster? It's not a great look. Encouraging a guy to go to a certain school. It's not a great look even outside the bounds of everything else. But the fact that Georgia's an SEC property and ESPN is now, you know, covers up to their chin in bed with the SEC, it's not a great look. And the more that Herb Street's out there, the more you hear stuff like this, like Twitter spats and this whole thing, like Herbie's losing some of his prestige, I guess. Does it feel a little bit like Herbie Herbie thinks a lot of Herbie now? Yeah. And Herbie thinks he can get away with whatever he he wants to. Herbie's ego needs its own booth. This would be like you or me, some high school parent, kid is going to be a ninth grader, mm-hmm. saying, hey, where, where should my kid go to high school and play football? Well, you should go to blah, blah, blah. That's not our job. To, we should not be doing that. We should not be influencing people's decisions, kids' decisions about where they go play. And nor should Kirk Herbstreet either. I mean, I get it. Entirely different stratospheres, different universes. But it's, it's the same thing as that you... In our business, that we should not be doing that. To say, hey, your kid needs to go play here. Yeah, it's it's not great. All right, second down. Georgetown head basketball coach Ed Cooley had a rather ugly uh, exchange with a heckler last night. And it might be kind of exchange that is going to rub Hoyas fans the wrong way. In the final seconds of uh, their game last night, they lost to Seton Hall by six. There was a heckler who was yelling at Cooley. And the fan joked that Cooley has made $7 million per win this season, which is a reference to his salary and a, a Big East record, by the way. 
and Georgetown's now five and two. But they're one, they're five, they're, they got to a five and two start, excuse me. They're one and 10 right now in the Big East. And so Cooley said, you know what? I'm rich as a MFer. I'm rich as bleep. That's Cooley's salary is not public, but it has been reported it's around six to seven million dollars. Not a good, not a good look when your team is one in ten in coppers play to be popping off about, yep, I'm rich. What's it to you? There's there's ways to keep things in context of yeah, we're one in ten, but everybody's fed. Everybody's got a roof. Things aren't terrible. <clears throat> And then there are other ways to keep it in context, like, yeah, we're one in 10, but check cleared, so who really cares? This is, you know, the and, whole th- thing. and that's the thing. It's like, so just, what? Yep. I'm, I'm getting paid. Not a good look when your team's one in 10. Ah, not at all. Not a good look when your team's 10 and one either. But no, neither, neither at way. At least you're winning. Neither, yeah. neither thing is appropriate, but man, it's really bad when your team's one in 10. Yeah. Get uh, my money. Yep. Third down, PGA Tour and Live are in a weird spot. There's a pro- the proposed merger, right? The move was announced with a lot of hype in June. It was not completed by a December deadline, and now there are questions whether it's actually going to happen at all, considering the $3 billion investment in the PGA Tour by Strategic Sports Group. But they're still in talks with Live and the Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, considering a planned merger. Now, in front of Congress, which this is not Congress's fault, surprisingly. The Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs has a subcommittee with investigators that held a hearing into the proposed deal. That was earlier this week on Tuesday. There's a notable twist. There were several representatives of the United States-based bankers and consultants that were working with the Live Committee. They told them they couldn't really reveal many details about the PIF, because the PIF sued them in November to prevent them from sharing information with the U.S. government. Okay, that, mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. The PIF also told them they could face up to 20 years in jail if they violate the gag order. This is why you don't get in bed with these regimes. That's why you don't. Yeah, you don't mess with the Saudis. You don't. Uh, you don't mess with some of these. Yeah, some of these regimes. Because it's not like going to a federal minimum security day camp type prison in this country. I'm guessing. It's like the prison they talk about in office space. Yeah. Yeah. A federal. A federal you know what in the you know where prison. You know where prison. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting turn of events for the live. Now it makes me wonder about those those (laughs) banker people. It's like, yeah, they told us we were going to go and Get thrown in jail if we talked about this like we just did. <laughs> hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe hey, some you, bankers are going to get renditioned to Where's Riyadh. Gary? Yep. Oh, it's time to get into this black van with a hood over his head. And mm-hmm. He just jumped right sense. in. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, a couple of guys that helped him into the van. Yep. and must have been going to lunch. Yeah. We had a bag full of candy, But they wanted apparently. to be a surprise, so that's why they had the bag over yep. his head. So, so he didn't see where they were going. Exactly. Yeah. So he'd be really surprised at the cool mm-hmm. restaurant they were going to. Yeah, there's an awesome Chipotle <laughs> in uh, Jeddah here. Uh, fourth down. Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. You may have heard. Pre-game coverage starting any minute. The NFL on CBS pre-game set with Bill Cowher, Boomer Esiason, Phil Simms, Nate Burleson, J.J. Watt, James Brown 
may be the last incarnation of that particular group of folks. James Brown signs a two-year deal. He's under lock and key through 25. But Nate Burleson, his contract expires before the start of next season. Cower, Esiason, and Sims are all unsigned past Sunday. And I read an, uh, an excerpt of an interview that Sims did, and he... It was kind of like he was saying goodbye. He thinks yeah. this is going to be it, that he'll be done at CBS. Awful announcing has a write-up on it, thinking that the new desk could have some combination of Matt Ryan, the McCordys, Ross Tucker, J.J. Watt, and Nate Burleson, along with James Brown, which I think would be pretty interesting. Those are some pretty intriguing yeah. names. The McCordys I'm warming up to. Yeah, yeah, they're not bad. Jason and Devin, but I like Ross Tucker. J.J. Watt's been pretty good. Matt Ryan is getting better. And yes, I love Nate Burleson. Yes, Ryan and and the McCordys, J.J. Watt, are, are all so much better than Gronk. And I love Gronk. Yeah. But this is not Gronk's territory. No. Gronk is a good third guy with Tom and KB. Okay. Yeah. Stick him in there. Let him play off his buddy. Yeah, maybe that might that might be the best place for him. I think so. All right, 943. It's four down territory. It's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, we go back to 1936. Jay Berwanger, University of Chicago halfback and Heisman Trophy winner, is the first player ever selected in the NFL draft. Eagles make the pick, and then they trade him to the Bears. 1950, Man of War is selected the greatest horse of the half century by the Associated Press. Man of War, a two- and three-year-old, is a winner of 20 of 21 races and holds five track Records 1962. Wilt Chamberlain of the Philadelphia Warriors scores 59 points and a 136 to 120 win over the Knicks and beats his own single season scoring record of 3,033 points by six points. 1964. Billy Kidd and James Hugo won the first men's Olympic alpine skiing medals for the U.S. with a silver and a bronze in the slalom. On this day, 1970, Gordy Howe becomes the first NHL player to score 750 goals. Uh, How gets the milestone by beating Philadelphia Flyers goalie Bernie Parent three minutes, 10 seconds into the third period, but the Red Wings lose at Detroit's Olympia Stadium 5-3. 1983, Wayne Gretzky, who uh, took over the mantle from Gordie Howe, puts on a show scoring four goals in the third period of the Campbell Conference's 9-3 win over the Wales Conference in the NHL All-Star Game at New York's Nassau Coliseum. 1987, Seattle's Tom Chambers, a last-minute replacement for the injured Ralph Sampson, Scores a game-high 34 points and leads the West to a 154-149 overtime win over the East in the NBA All-Star game before 34,275 at the Kingdom. And that's this day in sports history. 945, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. We'll take a break. Some garbage time coming up next on the Jim Davis Show. Stay by the radio. You are listening to the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 9.48, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Cake will be in with me tomorrow. And we'll uh, preview the Maverick basketball weekend at Regis and at UCCS coming up tomorrow. 
It's time to open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, this is, it's an article from The Athletic I find mm-hmm. interesting. It's by Nick Cosmander, who covers the Broncos for The Athletic. And it's about uh, starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. About, over the course of uh, Super Bowl history, where do most Super Bowl starting quarterbacks come from? Because Brock Purdy will make his first Super Bowl start this Sunday. He'll be the lowest draft pick ever to start in the Super Bowl. Mr. Irrelevant, 262. He is not, he is definitely the exception, not the rule, though, when it comes to starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. That, according to the Cosmander article, that the number one overall pick, 13 of the 67 quarterbacks who started a Super Bowl were the top picks in their respective draft. 11 number one selections in the standard NFL draft, a number one pick in the 65 AFL draft, Joe Namath, and the top choice in the NFL supplemental draft in 84, which was, do you remember who? Uh, I talked about him the other day. Nope. Steve Young. Oh, Steve Young. Coming out of the USFL. So 19.4% of starting Super Bowl quarterbacks were taken at the top of the draft. And the quarterback with the most Super Bowl starts in that group? Uh, top of the draft? Elway, right? Five? It would be John Elway. John Elway, drafted by the Colts with the number one pick. And John Elway with the, the five starts in the Super Bowl. The Colts have drafted seven Super Bowl starts for the Broncos. It's incredible. They've done better for other teams than they have for themselves. And they, they've they been to four Super Bowls. The biggest Super Bowl winner among number one picks. Biggest winner among biggest number one? Biggest winner pick? of the number one pick. Let's see. So Manning, Manning, Elway, they all have two each. Number one pickers. Aikman? No. Uh, Staubach? No. Okay. Now I'm... Staubach and this guy faced each other a few times. Bradshaw? Terry Bradshaw. Huh. I didn't realize he was number one. With or four, I forgot. With four Super Bowls. So Peyton Manning matched Bradshaw among top picks with four Super Bowl appearances, though he lost two of the four. So, but wins. Wins is Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw has the four Super Bowl I said wins. I didn't realize he was a number one pick. Yep, number one pick. <laughs> And so, as far as the rest of the draft, you look at it, that um, two second overall picks have started in the game. Donovan McNabb of the Eagles, 2004. Earl Morrill of the Colts, who was part of three championship teams, but lost the only game he started. That was the famous game against Namath in the Jets, yep. Super Bowl three. But he was also a member of the undefeated Dolphins and actually played a good chunk of that season when Bob Greasy was out with an injury. Yeah, he did, actually. And was a key reason why they went undefeated and won the Super Bowl. So the two number three picks have started in the Super Bowl. Steve McNair, the Titans, Matt Ryan of the Falcons. Neither guy won their Super Bowls. Though Kevin Dyson came really close. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> for Steve McNair. As close as you can get. Interestingly, the same number of starting Super Bowl quarterbacks, eight, have been selected in the third round as in the second round. The most decorated of the former group is Russell Wilson. No. Oh. Joe Montana, 75th pick by the Niners in 1979. Four. Third-round quarterbacks have produced a combined 14 Super Bowl starts and seven wins. Montana, 
for Nick Foles, Russell Wilson, yep. Jeff Hostetler, and second-round quarterbacks have made nine starts of three wins. Can you name two of them? Second-round quarterbacks, there's, there's, nine starts. There's three of them. Uh, one retired not too long ago, one a few years ago, and one is no longer with us, and he retired a long time ago. Uh, let's see. Breeze was a second-round pick. Ding, ding, ding. There's okay. one. Um, this guy playing a lot of different teams after uh, making Brett his... Favre? Brett Favre. Ooh, okay. And the last one had a super cool nickname, played in the AFC West. Played for a big-time Broncos rival. Uh, his, his team has been in Los Angeles and Oakland previously. Oh, um... Uh, the, he was the coach for a point, was it? No. Is that, oh, Stabler then. Kenny, the snake, Ken Stabler. So those are your who's, three guys. Who's the other Raider quarterback I'm thinking of that was the coach for a little bit? Oh, you're thinking, uh, oh gosh. Yeah, see? Uh, That's exactly what happened to me. Um, crap, what's his name? Did He won a Super Bowl too, didn't he? He, he did. Not Plunkett. Um, no, oh gosh. He's uh, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. No, I'm, I know. Flores. Tom Flores, yes. Yeah. There we go. Good job. You got the Thank last you. name. I got the first name. Tom Flores, yes. Nice. And then thanks mostly to Tom Brady. Seven Super Bowls. With a little help from Mark Rippon with one. Six round picks have one more. Two of these things are not like the other. Mm-hmm. Um, six round quarterbacks have won more Super Bowls than those drafted in any other round outside the first. Thanks to TB12. Jeepers creepers. Well, that's right. He wasn't drafted, though. Wait a minute. I didn't think he was oh, yeah. drafted. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady was not drafted. That's right. But isn't that what he said the other day? Mm-hmm. He's not drafted? Tom Brady has more starts than any second round combined. That's insane. There's nine starts from those second rounders is what you said. And Tom's got ten. Yeah. And seven wins. Mm-hmm. And if not for a third rounder, imagine if David Tyree doesn't make that play. Imagine. Crazy. Imagine, if you will, a place where, a world where Tom Brady has eight or nine Super Bowls. <laughs> Many people would say that's not a world I want to live in. The Thank Eagles you. needed a trick play to win, too, by the way. Exactly. I think people forget that. They, yeah, the, the Philly special. Because Tom Brady was. Balling. He was balling that game. If he catches the same trick play, it's over. And then Tom Brady has a catch in the Super Bowl and 10 rings. Maybe. Maybe. All right. That's our show for today. Back with you tomorrow. And uh, don't forget, coming up tonight here on the team, it's Nuggets Lakers at 730.